0: Good morning. good morning good to see good everyone I, my mom my wife friend of my moms it, are here so i'm real excited to see them here and uh see all of you and it, it's been a while you know i used to live here uh, right right up there uh in, in the the old well that's not the old the, the district superintendent not old to me uh for eight years i was up there in the district superintendent's office and uh, uh, enjoyed hanging out here with, um, with all of y'all. Going to baseball games with Handy Capable and, uh, you know, joining in with them, denouncing the umpire, you know, <laughs> in a very strong way oftentimes. And uh, anyway, I, I, uh, I miss you and it's so good to, to be back with you to preach. Uh, this is the third in uh, a series, sermon series on faith. The scripture that I've been given, and and Bob gave me a choice. He said I didn't have to stick with the sermon series if I didn't want to. Uh, Very gracious of him, but uh, I took a look at the scripture. I thought, oh yeah, this is is a good one. This will be fun to preach on. Uh, So here we go. Luke chapter 24, verses 36 through 49. While they were talking about this, they were talking the disciples were talking with the two folks you remember that were on the walk to emmaus with jesus and uh, jesus revealed himself uh, to them Uh, well they've come to jerusalem they're with the disciples and they're talking and while they were talking about this jesus himself stood among them came and appeared among them and said to them peace be with you they were startled and terrified, and thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you so frightened? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is myself. Touch me and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy, they were disbelieving and still wondering. And he said to them, Y'all got anything to eat? <laughs> they, said, they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it, ate in their presence. Then he said to them, And that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning with Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And see, I am sending you what my Father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. The word of the Lord. And. Hopefully, he had chewed and swallowed his food before saying all of that at the end. I think it's just interesting that Luke points out that it's broiled fish. He gets into the detail about this stuff. Well, this is uh, the last of the resurrection appearances of Jesus in Luke's gospel. Now, in Acts 1, Luke, who writes Acts... The Book of Acts to Theophilus uh, actually picks up where uh, where our story is uh, and expounds upon it in Acts one, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit a little bit later. All right. So the the first appearance of Jesus, first of all, in, at least in Luke's Gospel, uh, they find the tomb empty. Uh, two men, angels, uh, appear, tell the women, you know, that uh, he's no longer here. He's alive. Um, According to uh, this scripture, uh, it, uh, Peter uh, has experienced uh, a, a sighting of the resurrected Jesus, but it doesn't give a story about that. It doesn't tell about it, at least not in Luke's gospel. It does elsewhere, but other gospels, but not in Luke's gospel. But it does say that Jesus has appeared to Simon, Simon Peter. Then we have... The first account, at least in Luke's gospel, is this walk to Emmaus. A stranger appears to the two believers uh, as they're walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. They're troubled, obviously, and he asks, what's going on? You know, and they say, are you the only one that doesn't know what's going on? My, my word. You know, and then they tell him that uh, Jesus, the one who we thought uh, would bring redemption to Israel, would redeem Israel, bring Israel back to power, back to life again from the Romans, uh, that he would be the one, but they crucified him, executed him. And uh, he starts to tell them from the scriptures, and their scriptures, remember, at this time are what we call the Old Testament. The the Hebrew scriptures, the only scriptures that, um, that were in existence at that time. And so he he starts explaining the prophecies to them of what's going on and how we got to where we are. And they're amazed. Well, they get to their place in Emmaus, and they're going to go in and and have dinner. Uh, And he's beginning to walk on, and they stop him, and they ask him to come in and have meal with them. And to offer that to a stranger uh, in those days was a great act of hospitality. It's like, come and be a part of my family. And so he comes in. So an act of hospitality. And he breaks the bread. Now, they didn't recognize him. Their, you know, their eyes did not see. They did not recognize him on the road or when he was revealing the scriptures to them. They recognize him after they offer hospitality and he breaks the bread. And suddenly they recognize Jesus is in our midst. Now for Luke, uh, many scholars believe that the theology of Luke, and Luke is more of a theologian than he is a chronologist or historian, Uh, there are actually uh, some contradictions in the story in Luke. And of course he's writing this many years a couple of decades, probably, after it actually happened. So, you know, you're going to have a few of those. Um, But his theology, according to scholars, is is that through offering hospitality and then through the breaking of the bread and and alluding to um, to communion, Christ is revealed. We see with eyes of faith. We see Jesus in our midst and so uh, the appearance of the resurrected Jesus in Emmaus uh, then then he disappears and then uh, these believers go to Jerusalem they tell the disciples about it and as they're telling the disciples what has happened he appears again they're frightened and he says to them Shalom or peace be unto you Now, shalom, back in those days, and and even today in Israel, and among Jews, uh, shalom is a greeting. It's like saying, hi, how you doing? Or it's a way of saying goodbye. Uh, Goodbye and peace be with you. Shalom. He says to them, shalom. Now, you guys probably uh, have thought about Maybe what your reaction would be if Jesus was in your midst. Maybe you've prayed for it. You know, you've had a tough time. Something's going on in your life. Or maybe you have doubts. And you just wish that Jesus would come to you, into your midst. Have you ever prayed for that? I have. I used to pray for that when I was a little kid. You know, and, and you imagine that if, if Jesus is in your midst... Or maybe you've experienced Jesus in your midst. It's peaceful, right? You just, you feel wonderful and, and, oh, what a sense of peace, Jesus in your midst. Eh, not the disciples, you know, they were scared. They thought they were seeing a ghost. Now, before I get on with the story, let me just say something else about shalom, this greeting. It's not just a greeting or a way of saying goodbye. It's also the central message in the entire Bible, Old and New Testament. The central proclamation of Jesus. He embodies and proclaims the kingdom of God, which is the vision of shalom that we read about in the Old Testament. Paul refers to it oftentimes as the new creation. Shalom, kingdom of God new creation, all the same reality. What is it? It is forgiveness of sins, it is healing, healing of the nations, healing of the body. Uh, It is is reconciliation, it is social justice. Now, it was pointed out to me one time, uh, actually here, uh, well across the street, that the term social justice is not in the Bible. The reason I use the term social justice to describe the justice that's in shalom, the vision of shalom, is that um, justice as it's described in the Bible, Old and New Testament, uh, is about fairness to widows and orphans, the poor, it is about an equitable creating an equitable community and society about israel and the church being equitable and the world A peace among nations all that is what justice in the bible means it's not about just deserts you're going to get yours you know and that's going to be justice you know i mean and there's that aspect of justice at times uh, in the bible but mostly the word justice is used to talk about what we call today referred to as social justice okay so that's the vision of shalom it's very personal about healing and grace and forgiveness of sins but it also, it is also societal all right so jesus comes to them saying shalom or hi He's also expressing the central tenet of the faith. Okay, their reaction is that they're scared. They um, they have doubt. He says, Jesus says to them, "Why are you afraid? Why do you doubt?" He sees that in them. He knows that they're afraid and that they are doubting. So he shows his hands and his feet. That's where the wounds are. Remember. And it's important, especially in the theology of Luke, it's important to emphasize the hands and the feet, uh, the woundedness of Jesus, because the resurrected one is not some some Christ of glory without any woundedness coming down, you know, uh, bathed in white light, ready to conquer uh, the powers of death that put him to death, dealing death to the death dealers, you know. Which is what, that's how we like for stories to end, you know, the, uh, the good guy comes back strong, you know, and nails the bad guy, you know, that's, boy, that's what we're hoping for, you know, and, uh, but no, he comes back alive, bodily, with wounds in his hands. In, his feet. in other words, the victory that is being declared here is not that kind of victory we like. You know, at the end of the story, the good guy batters the bad guy and becomes powerful, you know. But rather, the victory is that way, truth and life. The way, the way, the way of shalom, the way of the kingdom of God, the way of the new creation. That that way of life, which got him crucified in the first place, is victorious, the way of humility, the way of love. And all of that shalom can be encompassed in the word love. It's all about love. That way is victorious. Interesting, the early church, we weren't called Christians for a long time. At first, we were called people of the way. The way of Christ, which is the way of the Kingdom of God, the way of Shalom, the way of the new creation. Well, Jesus is hungry. I mean, it's a bodily Jesus, I and mean, he's been through a lot in these last three days. You know, he's ascended into hell. You know, and preached to the. Uh, lost souls there. And, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that's been happening in these three days. So he's hungry, and he asks for something to eat, and they give him broiled fish. And so he's eating broiled fish. And, um, you know, and, and, and the, disciples, the disciples become, you know, gradually they're realizing this really is him. He's alive, the one who we followed and who we love is alive. Our friend is alive. And so they allow some joy in their hearts. But yet in their joy, they were disbelieving, the scripture says, and still wondering, what in the world is going on here? All right. So much for the strong faith of the disciples, you know. That assurance, and I mean, they, you know, I mean, you and I, we may have our doubts. You and I, uh, we may wonder about things, or we may misunderstand things. But um, the disciples, not them. We're going to see in just a minute in Acts one that the disciples, even at the end of the story, they don't. They lack understanding of what they've been taught. I really think Luke emphasizes a lot of this stuff to say to you and I and others who are reading his gospel through the centuries and Acts through the centuries that don't worry so much about your lack of belief or doubt don't worry so much about your misunderstanding or your disagreement about tenets of the faith. You're going to have those, and the book of Acts is full of that, about the controversies in the church and the fussing and the fighting. I mean, all the stuff that's going on in the Methodist church now. Nothing new under the sun. That stuff was going on in the book of Acts. You know, different issues, but they fighting and fussing with each other. You know, and Luke is getting across to us. Don't worry too much about that stuff. The life of faith is giving your life, even with doubt and lack of understanding, giving your life to Jesus and to the way that He proclaimed and embodied the way of shalom, the way of the kingdom, the way of the new creation. That's what faith is. Kierkegaard said, you take a leap of faith into the abyss. Kierkegaard was the Danish um, Christian philosopher. You take a leap of faith into the darkness, into the abyss, even with lack of understanding or assuredness. A leap of faith. And give yourself over to being a witness. Now, witness, that's an interesting word. Let's get to that. Let's move on into Acts 1. Acts 1 is actually commentary on our scripture lesson. The story picks up in Acts 1. Luke's telling Theophilus this uh, in Acts 1. He's saying that uh, the disciples and Jesus were together, resurrected Jesus was together, they were together. Uh, In our scripture, it kind of sounds like it's just one day, and then he's um, actually right after our scripture, he ascends into heaven in Luke. But um, it it sounds like it all happens like in one day. At least that's how it reads. Uh, But in Acts 1, he says, no, no, no. It, It happened over 40 days. Jesus actually was with them for 40 days, teaching them about what? The kingdom of God, the central message of the Bible. 40 days, crash course. They didn't learn it, I guess, in the three years. So he's got a crash course with them for 40 days. And so what happens? The last thing they say to him before he ascends to heaven is... They ask the question, Will the kingdom of Israel be restored? Eh, Wrong question. 40 days crash course, 3 years, day and night living with a guy. Learning about the kingdom of God, seeing him embody the kingdom. Through the healings and... And his actions and being with the poor, eating with sinners, all that, you know, and the teachings. uh, Did they learn nothing? Now, Calvin, Luther, Wesley, all all the big names you can think of have, have written commentaries about this, this question that the disciples ask. And all of them say they misunderstood this notion about the kingdom of God. It's for all the nations, it's not just Israel. Calvin's really, really hard on him. He said, Forty days, three years, and they understand, he says, nothing about the kingdom of God. He's a little hard on it. It's, Calvin tends to be that way. That's why we're Methodists. We're much kinder. You know. <laughs> and then he ascends to heaven. Well, he says to them before he ascends. He kind of, sort of ignores their question. But he says, "Eh, you will go to here in Jerusalem and be my witnesses to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You're going to carry this message. Be witnesses. Then he ascends. Now, what you need to know is that the word witness... The root word for it is the word that is translated martyr. See, the disciples, right at the very end, they think, let's see, they understand enough to know uh, 12 tribes of Israel, 12 disciples, Israel being restored to power, we will be the rulers. We will be the princes. We'll call the shots. And they're thinking that's what the kingdom is about. At least they're hoping, you know, right at the end. But Jesus said, nah, stay in Jerusalem. I'll send the power of the Holy Spirit who will carry you out to the world to be witnesses. And they're hearing martyrs, not the powerful but rather the ones who give their lives for the cause. To their credit, they did exactly what he said. To their credit, they were obedient. They stayed in Jerusalem, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they carried the word. They put their lives on the line, and it appears that most, if not all of them, were martyred for the faith. You see. Now, I propose to you that faith, and that's our topic for the next several weeks, that faith is not so much having assurance or lack of doubt and, or believing in certain tenets or having full understanding of the faith the faith. Faith is giving your life even when you don't have full understanding and when you do doubt. Faith is giving your life. Jumping into the abyss, as Kierkegaard said, faith is giving your life to Christ and the way, the way and truth and life that he embodies and proclaims. It, it is um, Leo Tolstoy, who um, wrote War and Peace, great author from Russia. Uh, he was rich, sold a lot of books, but also he, he came from a rich family, and he was going to the opera one night. He writes about this in his short story, Diary of a Lunatic, which is about his conversion to true or real Christianity. He had been a nominal Christian till this point. And so he, he goes to the opera, it's, it's dead of winter, uh, he notices the, the, the poor beggars in the street. He notices, notices the carriage drivers, how they have to sit out there with the carriages in the cold while he goes in and the others go in uh, into the warm opera house and weep over something that's happening up on the stage, you know, but not caring at all about the poor and the carriage drivers outside. And it moved him. And he gave his life to Jesus. He saw Jesus and all of the poor and the, and the suffering and the cold you know, out there. And, and, and he gave his life. And he gave his estate over to the poor. He invited poor people um, and, and um, infirmed people to his estate to live there. Uh, he gave of everything that he had in working for the poor there in Russia's wife thought he was a lunatic, and others thought he was, tried to have him committed. Life of faith. Uh, it's Nelson Mandela, uh, who, great South African leader, spent decades in prison under apartheid rule in South Africa. Uh, he was a Methodist. His Pastor Peter story was telling a story to us. Uh, Peter story, telling a story to us over in Orlando uh, several years ago when I was a pastor over in that area, uh, told a group of us about how after apartheid ended, Mandela let out of prison, gets elected um, president, and sets up a truth and reconciliation commission. In the truth and reconciliation commission, he puts uh, Bishop Tutu. Desmond Tutu, the Episcopal Bishop, uh, in charge. Now, Peter Story and Bishop Tutu are uh, like best friends. They traveled together during apartheid throughout South Africa. Uh, Story is white. He's uh, not only the pastor of Mandela, but he's also the head of the Methodist Church at this time. And um, so he and, and Tutu would travel in South Africa. Uh, They were stopped by a captain of the military police. This is during apartheid. And the captain uh, ordered that they be executed, taken out to the woods and executed. Uh, The guy that he told to do that took them out there, and he he just wouldn't do it, uh, and he let them go. Um, Apartheid falls, Truth and Reconciliation uh, Commission meets. This captain is brought before Tutu, And all of the criminals of apartheid, uh, people who committed uh, crimes against humanity, were brought before this commission. Uh, And, you know, what's he going to do? He confesses what he had done because, I mean, there's Tutu right in front of him. Tutu knows what happened. So he confesses, which is part of what this commission was about. You needed to confess what you did. And Tutu forgave him and sent him on his way, the life of faith faith leading to witness, to living it, you see. Let's bring it home. Uh, It is, this life of faith leading to witness. It is uh, creating programs like uh, Handicapable, which I I still think is one of the greatest ministries uh, in the Florida Conference that I've seen in my 40 plus years in the Florida Conference. Great, great ministry. It is creating that and supporting that as you have. Uh, the toy ministry, the children's ministry, the youth ministry, the, uh, the feeding programs that, that you have, the hospitality that, that you experience here on Sunday morning towards visitors, and you're really good at, at that. The life of faith and witness. Uh, it, it is when you've been vaccinated fully vaccinated and then you, you've, maybe even you've gotten your booster and yet when you go to the gym or when you go to the grocery store or wherever you put your mask on not as a political statement but rather just uh, as a way of showing concern for others maybe solidarity with others but uh, certainly you know I mean you could still be I guess a carrier even though you feel safe you could be a non-symptomatic carrier of the COVID virus and, and out of compassion in your heart, you put your mask on, you know. The love of the kingdom, you see. Uh, it is, this life of faith and witness, it is um, when you're feeling irritable, stressed out, And you go into a situation that maybe is making you irritable and stressed out, but you choose to go into it with kindness and understanding, rather than sort of a negative reaction, reactionary negativism. The life of faith leading to witness. It is giving your life to the way, truth, and life of Jesus. The way of shalom, the way of the kingdom, the way of the new creation, the way of love. Let us pray. Lord, we pray that you lead us in your way through the power of your Holy Spirit. Lead us in your way truth in life. Help us to be people of faith. Lord, we'd like for assurance and lack of doubt, and we, you know, go ahead and pray for that. That'd be great. But even without that, Lord, through the power of your Spirit, lead us to be your witnesses. In Jesus' name. Amen.